If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with Amy. Amy is from Victoria and has two beautiful children, Charlie and Molly. Amy's also heavily involved in the Victorian Solo Mum by Choice community and even organises amazing camping trips away so that others in the community can have a wonderful holiday and have an extra pair of hands. Welcome, Amy, to this um, episode of the podcast this week. I would love to hear from you what your journey was to decide to become a Solo Mum by Choice to start. Yes. Uh, so I'd known pretty much my whole life I wanted to have kids. I reckon I had my boy and girl name picked out from when I was about 15. So yeah. if I did have a partner, they would have just had to agree with those names because <laughs> I was very set. Um, so actually it was about um, not quite, about nine years ago, um, I actually had a miscarriage um, that okay. I was casually seeing somebody who was from a different culture. So it wasn't going to work out anyway um, because they needed to marry within their culture. Um, and so when I went to my GP to have all the initial blood tests when I was still pregnant, um, I was having a chat to her and said, well, look, I'd be doing it on my own anyway because he doesn't want to be part of it. Um, and then obviously I ended up having the miscarriage and my GP was amazing. She sort of got the ball rolling. She's like, well, you were going to do it on your own anyway. Why not um, go and see about using a donor and um, and going that way? And so she put me on to uh, the fertility specialist and I made an appointment um, and yeah, so, so she was amazing and she was actually so excited when I did have my child because she I think she'd mentioned it to a few of her patients, but I was the only one who'd followed through and actually then had a child. So she was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. So she's um, so taking was, full credit really, for you making that decision. Yes. Then. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, yeah, so she was fully supportive, so wonderful. Um, and so, yeah, so then I went, um, yeah, saw the specialist um, and did the two IUIs, like, people sort of have to before they move to the IVF, um, wasn't successful with that. Um, over the So to get my son, it took four years and 14 transfers. Uh, so it was a very, very long, long journey. Yeah. Um, I always got good, I got good egg collection numbers. Um, I had a good number, make it to five days uh, to be frozen or fresh transfer. They just weren't sticking. Um, 
So the first egg collection, I had 18 eggs. Um, I got, I had one fresh transfer and I've just written notes because I can't remember it all Um, and had four frozen. And so none of them took. Um, So it wasn't even that you got pregnant and then unfortunately lost them. Just none of them. Did not, did not take at all. Um, And then the next egg collection, I was advised um, to choose a different donor because maybe we weren't compatible. Uh, So I chose a different donor uh, that time I got 22 eggs, um, one fresh transfer and three frozen. Uh, and I think at that point, I think I might have had more embryos, but I was advised to do the testing, the genetic testing. I can't think of what it's called. Um, and um, so then that got rid of that got rid of um, some of them because they were abnormal. Um, so I ended up with the one fresh and then three frozen. Uh, none of them took. Um, and then for the next egg collection, I was then advised again that I needed to select a donor that had success. So I was right. then given three. Yeah. Um, and from those three, I, um, well, I actually chose a different one first. Um, every, every, I know everybody talks about the relationship they have with their fertility specialists and how they see them all the time. Well, my relationship was with my nurse. She was amazing. I loved her. So I would have all the chats with her. Um, And and so the the donor that I did choose um, had a child that had, um, what's the foot? Uh, I can't think of what it's called, but had a foot. It can be be fixed. I can't think of what it's called. So she's like, no, 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 you're not going through all that. Um, to have potentially have that so yeah. you're not choosing that donor so I got rid of him so then I had two to choose from and so I chose the one that um, obviously I ended up using um, and so from that collection I had one fresh transfer and I got four frozen embryos um, and I had two transferred which didn't take and then I had a bit of a break um, it was coming up to my 40th birthday and I just wanted to enjoy some celebrations. And um, I was going to ask, what age were you when all of this? Was yes, yeah, yeah. You're so I had a lot of eggs with every collection. Yes. Like. Well, so the the last collection I was 39, and yeah. I think I got 14 eggs. Wow. At that at that one. Um, yeah. So when the ones that we got rid of that didn't test, uh, tested abnormal. Uh, yeah, I ended up with yeah one fresh and four frozen. Um, and so then. Uh, during all that time. So over the four years I was working with personal trainers and I was, I started doing some running. Um, and so for my 40th birthday, I had like the festival of turning 40. Good so time. on day one, I, cause I'm from Melbourne on day one, I flew to Newcastle to run a half marathon. This is and not then, sounding so like my was... festival of 40, not running. No, where's the champagne? Come and on. So the... <laughs> had that as well. Um, <laughs> and so then throughout, throughout the 40 days of being 40, I had, I went with some girlfriends. We stayed on the Gold Coast for four or five nights. Um, I did another little trip. I can't think of where. Uh, and then I actually ran a full marathon. I had a party with all, um, yeah, with lots of friends. And then it so happened that the next transfer was going to be on day 40 of my 40 days of celebration. Ooh. And that was the one that worked. <laughs> so that one stuck around. So that was, yeah, so that was just meant to be, I think. Um, and then it just worked out that along the way, key dates linked with people. So my first blood test was on my brother's birthday. My first big scan was on my dad's birthday. So it was just like it was meant to be. Yeah. Um, 
And so he is now four. Uh, yep. Well, he turned four in January. So he's, yeah, four and a bit. Um, absolute delight. Um, and then I had two frozen embryos still. Uh, one had been tested as fine and one they couldn't test because they couldn't get enough cells, uh, but okay. that was still there. Um, and so I ummed and ahed, do I do it? Do I not do it? And, you know, you wait for the perfect time to transfer this little embryo. Um, and then in the end, I just went, I'm going to do it. Did not tell a soul, uh, not no one. No one knew at all. I had to get a new specialist because mine had moved off um, okay. to go her own way. Um and so I had one chat with him online because it was during COVID. Um, and then, um, yeah, so I yeah, did not tell a soul. Went, had The transfer ended up being on a Sunday morning, so it wasn't ideal. So I had to make up a story to mum and dad because they needed to mind my son yeah. um, so I could go off and get this transfer. Um, and so then, um, yeah, so then when I had the seven-week scan, uh, and it was, yeah, there was still a heartbeat and it was all going well. Then I went and told mum and dad and, well, they nearly fell off their chair. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite, mum was, I think, in the most shock. She rang me later that day going, oh, my goodness, I don't even know what I said. And then dad was like, dad's a very quiet man, but he sat there and, um, oh, yeah, that's very exciting. I think I need a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all very exciting and that, um yeah, so obviously I had a, well, he was just over three when I got pregnant um, and me being older, it was exhausting being pregnant the second time around. Um, but, yeah, there was, I had no issues at all, um, but it was, it was just tiring because the first time around, if I was tired, I could have a lay down. Yeah. You can't do that when you've got a three and a bit year old. So it was, um, yeah, it was more exhausting. Um, but, yeah, and then I got a little girl the second time around. So one of each. One of each. So with the first yes. time you were pregnant, obviously you'd been through a miscarriage previously and then it was quite a long journey yep. to get your son. How did you find pregnancy like mentally as well as physically? Uh, so the pregnancy was absolutely no dramas at all. Well, I say no dramas. I did have on and off bleeding for about the ten, first 10 weeks, but it wasn't anything huge that um, like was a huge, caused me too much issues and all the scans and everything was fine. Um but otherwise, absolutely smooth sailing. It was all fine. Um, I think I went through all the hardship getting pregnant. So mm -hmm. then I deserved an easy pregnancy. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely, yeah, all fine. Not a drama in the world. Um, yeah, felt the movements when I should have and all that. So uh, all good. And then uh, because of my age, because it was IVF, my specialist, so I went through the private. Um, mm -hmm. He didn't want me to go full term. I was actually due on Australia Day. So maybe he just didn't want to work on a public holiday because <laughs> <laughs> I was induced two days early. Um, yeah. And he, um, so I was, yeah. So I'd seen him, seen the specialist on the Monday and he said, depending on how things go now, you're either coming in tomorrow night to be like slowly induced overnight or you'll come in on Wednesday morning. And so he did his scratch and sweep or whatever they're called. And he goes, we'll see you Wednesday morning. I'm like, okay. So obviously things are feeling all right down there. Um, and so then um, I was told to be at the hospital at 6am. And so I had my friend picking me up. So my birth partners were my best friend and my mum. And so I had Sharon lined up to pick me up and I got a phone call from the hospital at 10 to 6 in the morning saying, don't come in now, we're full. 
Oh. Like, but I'm ready. I'm ready to come in. They're we like, have an we'll appointment. Bring you at, <laughs> yes. They're like, we'll bring you at lunchtime because um, it should be fine then. You can come in then. Do you reckon um, everyone else was like doing all the old wives' tales so they didn't have um, Australia Day babies yes. as well? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I quickly rang my friend and mum. I'm like, go back to bed. And they're like, oh, you can have some more rest too. I'm thinking, nah, I'm up. I'm ready to go. There's no resting. Um, and so by the time we got to the hospital um, and like, you know, got processed and all that, it was probably about two o'clock. Um, and then I think they started the drip, uh, would have been closer to four. Mm-hmm. And within four hours, he was born. So it was it wow. Was so I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I was. He was ready to come. Yeah. Uh, I, and I didn't know it was a he at that point. Um, I'm pretty sure he yeah, he was ready to come out because yeah, that was. And I didn't. I didn't have any drugs. And I remember getting to the stage where I needed to push, and I said to the midwife because it worked out really well, so she could be with me for the whole time because it was yeah, in her shift. And I'm like, oh, do I need drugs now? And she's like no you've done this much you don't need them now you'll be fine and so I reckon it was only about 20 minutes of pushing and yeah it was out so it was all yeah it was all all wonderful so that yeah can't um yeah can't fault that at all so the the um special the my my specialist almost missed it because Charlie uh was keen to come out so my friend who was with me the whole time was told to quickly go and get him because he'd just been in and left She's like, I don't want to miss this. So she's stood at the door and yelled and called him back. And then she's <laughs> run back in. She's like, I'm not missing this. So it was very funny. Um, but yeah, all yeah, all all wonderful. And how was sick and pregnancy though? Obviously a lot more tired with Charlie running around and trying to do both, but did yep. the pregnancy pretty so uneventful apart from that was, and birth? Yeah, no, just tiring. Everything else was straightforward. Um no, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, nothing wrong. Uh, she was breech. The whole time did not turn at all. So then, so that was very different because then I needed to have a Caesar. Um, yeah. So he, he was, um, I, yeah. So towards the end, because I'm old. Um, so the first time I was geriatric, I'm, I don't know what they classed me as the second time around. Dinosaur, um, maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, because I was old, I think for the last 10 weeks, I needed to go in and have the um, monitoring each week. Yeah. And then for the last, Oh, I want to say three or four weeks. He wanted me to go in twice a week to do that. Um, so that was just ultra annoying. But I mean, it was good to make sure everything was fine. Um, and so I kept asking them. Is she? I didn't know. Again, it was a girl. It, didn't, it was a surprise. You didn't when she find out either time. Um, wow. No. Um, and so then I'm like, has it has it turned? Has it turned? And so they kept feeling. They're like, yeah. One one lady actually goes, yes, I think it has turned. Um, but she was wrong because then I had a scan the next day with obstetrician and it hadn't turned. Um, and so he booked in. And so because of COVID again, they, um, even in the private sector, the surgeries were cut. So we only had two days a week that he could actually do Caesars. So he's like, you can either do choose this day or this day. One of them happened to be my other brother's birthday. Uh, and so I'm like, no, no, I'll choose the other day. Um, which was also earlier. I'm like, yeah, let's just get this baby out. I'm done. Um, so he um, he said, I'll bring you, I'll, we'll book you in for the Caesar, but I'm going to scan you beforehand because if it happens to have turned, I'm sending you down to be induced rather than doing the Caesar. Um, and so he scanned me just before I went in and it hadn't turned, still breach. Um, and so, yeah, so went in to have the Caesar, which was all a very strange sensation. Um 
But, yeah, and so as they'd done the drugs, laid me down, about to start, and I went, oh, I've just had a vision that I'm having a girl, and then cut me open, it's a girl. I'm like, oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'd be going, so, it must be um, a girl because it's so different from the last one, and she seems stubborn. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, so that was, and then recovery from that um, was all fine. I just took the drugs like as they told me to. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, keep taking them. Even if you think you feel fine, keep taking him because if you stop, you're not going to feel fine and then you've got to wait for them to kick back in again. Yeah. Um, and so I just kept taking them. Um, and then, yeah, so mum and dad were awesome uh, during that time because obviously you can't drive and so they were taking Charlie to childcare still and having him for some sleepovers. Um, and mum would come and do my washing and take it home, bring it back the next day dry and clean. So that was awesome. And then that stopped. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Jealous. I had none yeah. of that. I had like all COVID by myself with the Caesar. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. I was just like so putting things was, in the washing yeah. machine one thing at a time. Well, that's so when I did start doing it again myself, I'm like, you're not supposed to pick up a whole load. So I just was taking one thing out at a time. I'm like, this is going to take me forever. Yeah. But um, yeah, so lots of, um, yeah, lots of support from mum and dad. So yeah, really amazing. But um, yeah, so now, so Molly's six months old next week. Yeah. Um, and yeah, going really well with the two. So yeah. So, so I'm all, just trying to yeah. get my head around having two in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been super lucky that they've both been really good sleepers. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie in the early days had some feeding issues. He wasn't latching properly. So that, and so he wasn't putting on weight because he wasn't drinking enough. And that, so for the first month, I reckon it more, yeah, about a month. I had to feed every three hours around the clock. After that feed, I then had to express and then had to give him the express and it was just, oh, oh, so that yeah, first month was just, and you got all the hormones going through your body. So that was just a nightmare. Um, and then he was putting on weight. So they're like, overnight, you can let him go longer. I'm like, oh, thank you. Um, whereas Molly's putting on weight fine, feeding fine. Um, yeah, no issues at all. So. Do you find um, it quite yeah, different with number two? Like you obviously learned a lot with number one. So does that make it easier or? It does make it easier. It's you're just less, I want to say less stressed. Mm-hmm. Like the first time, like Charlie might cough or sneeze and you're like, you're Googling, what does that mean? What's going to happen now? <laughs> Whereas now you're like, nah, she's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, you've just, yeah. You, I mean, you do forget a lot, um, like the different stages they go through and everything. You, you just forget that. But um, yeah, like you're not stressing about every single little thing um, that, yeah, that happens or that they, they do or they look funny or they do something. You're just like, that. that's just normal baby stuff. So, um, so yeah, you definitely, um, yeah, do learn from the first one. So it makes it a bit easier for the second one. So, so I know that there's a lot of people that I follow on Instagram currently that are in that process of trying to decide whether to have number two or not and what the best yes. gap is and all of that sort of thing. What thought process did you go through before you decided to, to transfer the second one? And is there any advice that you'd give anyone when they are contemplating it to help them make up their mind, I guess? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think my, my big thing is have no regrets. Um, and so I knew I had the two embryos sitting there, well, potentially just one because one wasn't tested. So that could have not been any good anyway. Um, and yeah, so I did not want to live with any regrets. So I knew if I'd let time go on too long and didn't transfer it, I would have gone, well, 
why didn't why didn't I? Um, mm-hmm. So I just see. Yeah, I thought I'll just give it a go um, and see what happens. And obviously, it worked. Um, and it actually worked out really well. The age gap because Charlie was that much older that he could then do things for himself. He could entertain himself. He could uh, play quiet more quietly (laughs) he could play um, (laughs) while I had to tend to Molly Um, so yeah so the age gap if I'd thought about it I wouldn't have like if I'd yeah if I'd I'd, if I'd done it earlier I would have I mean you just you make do with what you've got Um, but I think the age gap now like the four years it was three years nine months was great because yeah he is more independent Um, whereas uh, if you have them closer together obviously You've got to entertain both at the same time, which can be tricky. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so, yeah, my big thing was just don't live with regrets. So if you think you're going to regret not having another one or not trying to have another one, just do it because um, – but then I was also scared because a couple of friends had their second, which turned into their second and third. <laughs> yeah, I've got a few of those at the moment at daycare and I'm like, oh, that's it. It's exhausting. <laughs> So they're amazing. Um, but, yeah, no, I just, yeah, I was, yeah. And and I also wanted a sibling for Charlie, if possible, um, knowing that, I mean, once I'm gone, then he's sort of got no real family. I mean, he'd still have his siblings, siblings, whatever people call them, um, and then my family. But it uh, be nice to him to have a sibling. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I was giving it a go and. If that transfer wasn't yep. successful, do you think you'd do another round of IVF in the interest of? I would no, 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 no. That was it. It was it. it was those two embryos, and that was it. I was two. I was um, well, yeah, I was forty-four. Uh, so there's no way I would have got eggs that would would have been any good anyway. Um, so it was, yeah, it was it was transfer those two. If they didn't work, that was it. So um, yeah, so I just, yeah, so then I had the end the end of it as well like so if I tried them didn't work there was an ending to it and I'd yeah I'd given it a go so um but yeah it worked so (laughs) very um yeah very happy so we obviously went through quite a lot of um treatment to get the two of them yep you had a few changes along the way and a lot of changes to donors along the way yep did you ever consider changing clinic or were there other things that you considered or were you really happy with how everything sort of progressed like because I know that there are some people that they kind of like get obsessed with the donor and just keep I guess flogging a dead horse yes yeah 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 yeah. well I think to me I think because it took so long and so many tries I think I sort of distanced like it was it was just like I was going through steps I was I sort of became unemotional to it all so because it was like you can't go through 14 transfers and you'd lose your mind. So I think I just sort of, yeah, took took a step back emotionally and was just going through the steps and if it, well, okay, here's another one, well, okay, here's another negative, let's go again and see what happens. Um, and so I never considered changing clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know, don't know if I didn't, I don't know if I thought that was a thing that you do. Um, and plus because I had so many embryos frozen I was sort of linked to that clinic anyway um I never never really gelled with the specialist um she was a bit in my head a bit wacky um she gets results but um but it was my nurse that was uh, just amazing so when I went back for the second um I 
had the same nurse again. So I, I rang her first and said, who do you recommend? Because obviously the specialist is gone. So she gave me some names. One of them then left to do the new, start at New Life. So he was off the table. And so I went with the other one. Um, and so I really, uh, the second time around, uh, it really didn't matter who the specialist was because they used the same protocol that worked mm -hmm. for Charlie. So really I just needed to have the process started. Um, and, yeah, so it was my nurse that was just the best. Uh, so when I actually had Molly, I rang the, <laughs> I rang Monash to talk to my nurse to tell her and I think Molly was about a week old, so, again, hormones, and they said, no, she's, um, she's just resigned. Like, she's left, so I just burst into tears <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my goodness. No, it's okay. It's actually good news I wanted to talk to her about. I'm thinking they're going to think, who is this crazy lady? Um, so I ended up finding her on Facebook and sending her a message, <laughs> so, which she was really wrapped to hear. So that was, um, so that was nice. But, um, yeah, so it was my nurse that was the best. She was just the best. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I was. I think I was just linked to the clinic with all the frozen embryos that mm -hmm. I had. Um, and again, the donors. Again, I think I sort of distanced at the start when I had the list. Like it's not anything like now when um, there's a shortage. Like I had, I mean, not heaps and heaps, but I reckon I would have had at least fifteen, twenty to choose from. Right. Um, and so at the very beginning, I had my mum and my sister involved and let's have a look through this and we'll get rid of this one and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then as the time went on, it's like, well, I don't know these people. Like, I, I just really need their best swimmers. I don't, I, like, I'm, yeah, so I didn't, I, yeah, I sort of distanced myself. I'm like, I just need someone who's, who's going to work. Um, and, yeah, eventually, obviously, in the end it did. Um, but, yeah, I think because, it, yeah, because it took so long, I did just distance myself emotionally mm -hmm. from the process um, just to get through it really, which is why the second time around I didn't tell anyone um, because it was like all the questions, how are you going and what are you up to and has it worked and uh, it all got too hard. Um, it puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on yourself, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, pleasantly surprised the second time around. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so... So all, um, yeah, so I actually got, um, so with Charlie, I had I had to um, give myself Clexane injections oh, it was up till about 20 weeks. It was something ridiculous. Um, but I remember in that two-week wait, oh, it would have been early on, it was probably about like day four or five, I could smell mm. the injection, which sounds really weird. So that was like my first symptom. Um, and I'm like, oh, I've never had this before. I wonder if this means. And so then with Molly, I could smell it again. And I'm <gasps> like, like not straight away. It was probably around day four or five. I'm like, I reckon this has worked. And so I actually did a home test because along the way I didn't do many home tests. So I always waited for the blood test. Yeah. Um, and so I did a home test a week after the transfer and it came up with a very faint line. Um, and so then I did it two days later and it was darker two days later was darker again. And that was the day of the blood test. Um, yep. Yeah, so it was, um, yeah. So it was, that was a weird symptom to have people say, what symptoms do you have? I'm like, well, I had smell. Smell drugs. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, was it was really bizarre. But um, yeah, so it was, yeah. So all, yeah. I, yeah. Really happy with, with everything. I mean, they're, they're both amazing little children. So yeah. 
just wrapped. <laughs> and so Charlie's four now. Is he at the stage where you're having conversations yep. about what's going on? How's that going? Because that's obviously something a lot of us have to look forward to in the future. Yes. So I've had chats and I've got a lot of the books, um, the Our Story and all, yeah, all the books. So we've had chats uh, from a very early age and I think it was more for me to get comfortable yeah. talking. Um, and so he knows that he's got a donor. Um, he knows, yeah, so we talk about other kids, they've got dads. Um, and so in the early days, I'd say to him, you don't have a dad. I think it was after a Bluey episode, actually. Um, it might have been very much about dad. And I'm like, do you have a dad? No. Um, I'm like, yeah, you've got a donor. I said, but who else have you got in your family? So he names all the people that are in his family. And at this stage, he does not seem phased at all. Yeah. Um, when we're away at Christmas time, we go camping and one of the little girls that camp near us, she's 11 or 12, she liked to come over and tell him stories. And so one day she was telling him a story and it started, I think it was a story was going to be about Easter. And she started off with something about your mum and dad. And he looks at her, he goes, I don't have a dad. Well, the look <laughs> on her face was like, oh, I've just fully stuffed up. I'm like, no, no, Charlie, you just say, I don't have a dad. I've got a donor. So it was all, so she's like, oh my goodness, I've done I've done, I've done the wrong thing. She knows that he doesn't have a dad. Um, but uh, it was just, yeah, it was quite funny. So he, yeah, he he does not seem phased by it at all at the moment. Um, yeah, we have chats and then we've actually, um, I organise a lot of little getaways with other solo mums. Mm -hmm. And so I like to tell him when we're away, I'm like, all these children, they don't have dads either. They've all got donors. And so he thinks that's a bit special because they're all the same as him. Um, cool. And then we've got a, a quite um, quite a good network of solo mums that we catch up with regularly and stuff. So um, so it's just nice for him to have that. And then actually at childcare, there's two other mums that are solo mums. Um, oh, really? Gone through the same. <laughs> yeah, same. So one of the little boys is actually in his room um, and the other one's a little bit younger. So who I think will actually come into his room later this year. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, so it's just his norm. Like he, yeah, it's not phased at all. Um, yeah, just, yeah, I'd say start, start having the conversations early feet to make yourself comfortable with how you're talking about it. Um, and so we talk about the lovely kind donor and the doctor who helped make Charlie and Molly. So, yeah. um, yeah, so it's. Very simple um, explanation, but um, it's enough for him at this point, and he seems to understand and yeah, and get it. So brilliant. Yes. So you've obviously got quite a network of other solo mums that he's able to join the special club with. What's recommendations for yeah. anyone else that would like to sort of get involved in some of those groups? Um, so I joined. Them? Yeah, I joined the Facebook group. Um, kind of the SMC. Australia, I can't think of what it's actually called. Uh, it was actually um, recommended to me in my very first um, counselling session way okay. back. Um, yeah. And so I can't, I honestly can't remember if I joined it straight away or I don't think I waited until I was pregnant. I think I might have joined it straight away. Um, and so the events, and then from that, there's a Victoria subpage. Um, and so I actually organise a whole heap of events and just put it up. So I book little holidays because I'm on maternity leave this year. I book little holidays, put up on the page. Uh, we're going away to here, these dates. Anyone welcome, come and join us. So we've just been to Inverloch uh, a week or so ago and there were seven families. Oh, wow. Yeah. Six or seven, yes. Um, and then uh, we're going away at Easter with a whole heap of solo mums. Um, 
I booked another trip for September, which six just just yesterday. Uh, six others have already said, yeah, we'll come along. So um, at the yeah the at the beginning when I start, so then I also organise a Yarra Valley and Surrounds catch up, uh, which has only been going for oh a couple of years, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we and so obviously COVID made that difficult as well. Um, so some of the first catch ups, there might have been two or three of us there. One of them, there was just me and Charlie there. Um, so it takes a little bit of, um, yeah, get things going, but you've just got to put yourself out there. Um, like you, I know people feel a bit nervous meeting new people, but uh, all, all the solo mums I met are just amazing ladies. Um, so you've just got to be uncomfortable for a bit to then start chatting to people and, um, yeah, you'll make you'll make amazing friendships and the kids make amazing friend, friendships as well. So really, um, really worthwhile to yeah, get involved as much as you can really. Cool. Once this episode goes out, we'll put some links to those groups as well. Yes. If you yep. want to join the, yep. the local and obviously yep. there'll be some for other states, but yeah, yep. anyone else can recommend them. We can add them in as well. Yes. Yep. Yep. Beautiful. But um, yeah, so yeah, lots of, and um, we're actually, I'm actually going to Queensland with five, uh, four other solo mums as well. So we've got a little trip coming up just after Easter. So Charlie doesn't know that one yet because just in case it happens to be cancelled for some reason, can't tell him. Well, it could be COVID, it could be weather, the way this year's going. I know, it? that's so. exactly right. So, um, yeah, so it's, yeah, lots of um, lots of fun stuff happening. So so purely from a selfish perspective, um, what age do you think is the right age to start going on those sort of holidays where the child is uh, not a runner and not crazy? <laughs> Mine is at the well, Oh, when was that? For, we, we probably went, well, we, we go camping every year at Christmas. So Charlie was born at the end of Jan. So he, his first camping holiday was, he was 11 months old, but mm-hmm. that's camping with my mum and dad. So extra hands. Um, so that's a bit different. Um, but probably, it depends where you go really. Because um, yeah, Charlie hasn't really been a big runner. Lucky. He's more just kept keeps walking and walking mate come back <laughs> you don't know where you are and now you don't know where I am <laughs> come back um so I mean because how old is Lexi she almost it's almost two three or two two almost two mm. um you see we would have been doing it at that point um but with others so we didn't often go away on our own like I'd put it out there that we're going away and others would come. So then you'd have support. So yeah. you could go off for a shower because someone else would be there to be able to help or you could, yeah. So we didn't, so yeah, we were doing holidays from early on, but um, we, there was always other people there, um, yeah, to help. Or, or you go in a cabin so then you can lock her in. <laughs> I like that concept. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So, because, it, yeah, it's just so much fun doing so many things and now and then so with the start of last year I bought a little caravan um that folds down so um now we can because I had a I had an awesome massive canvas tent but that took at least three people to put up I'm like no nah, I can't we can't just go away for the little weekends because I can't put this tent up yeah. so I got this little caravan which I can put up by myself um and Charlie helps um and so we can go to get away a little bit more and it makes it cheaper because you're not booking the cabins, which are more expensive. You can just book a campsite. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's lots of fun. And he loves it. 
we get home and he cries because I oh, we'll just want to be in the caravan again. I'm like we'll have another trip soon. <laughs> but then in winter we don't go because it's too cold. <laughs> so we're actually going to Ballarat in Queen's birthday long weekend, but um, we're staying in a cabin because I wasn't braving. I wasn't braving the cold then. <laughs> oh, fair enough, fair enough. So I guess just in parting, is there any advice you'd give to anyone who's kind of on the fence and just deciding whether they, this journey is right for them or not? Um, yeah, as I said before, just no regrets. If you think you're going to go on for a year or two and then think, why didn't I do that? Just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing which people might go, oh, yeah, right, it's just money. I've spent an absolute load of money, um, but it's just money. Like really, spend it if if it's what you want. If it's if it's if you're going for something that you want, just do it. Spend the money. You might have a debt for a while. Pay it off, but it is just money. Um, and so just spend it if you want to, and make your dreams come true. So, well, thank you so much, Amy. It's been a wonderful chat, and I can't wait for everyone else to hear it. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. I'm Alicia and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.